Tuesday afternoon, I spent about three hours and 45 minutes in the car as I was driving home from a conference that I attended that was on the north side of Austin. And about halfway through that drive, I was tired. You know, that, that like driving fatigue that sets in after you've been in the car for a while? And I was in trouble. And I was like, what am I going to do here? I, I need to stop, get a Coke, uh, get a coffee, maybe start eating something. I got to stay awake somehow, some way, so I can keep going. And then a song came on the radio. And it was a song that just got my heart pumping again, got me excited, woke me up, got me ready to go. And yes, Yes, I absolutely took advantage of the anonymity that is given you by a solo drive on the highway, right? I was jamming. You know that you've done it too, right? Here's a song. I'm going to play it for you, a little low-tech way. All right, maybe you know that song. It's by Mercy Me. As you can tell, I'm a fan. I like it. It's enjoyable. But I'm going to ask you the question that that song asks. Have you ever met those people? Have you ever met that person who is so full of joy? You can, you can see it in the way that they live, the way that they walk. You can, you can tell their joy. It is tangible. It is palpable. You can feel it. You can sense it. You know something is going on in their heart, and it is good. Are you one of those people? See, as we gather today and as we begin to focus on our core values that we have as a church, the first core value that we're going to focus on today is that we thrive on more joy than guilt. Now, what I'm not saying that we're going to start having rhythm and dance classes here at Divine Savior Church or that we are going to levy a hefty fine on anybody who doesn't walk through those doors come Sunday morning with a huge smile on their face. Because I know, right, some days, some weeks, you're going to come in here under intense pressure. Some days, you're going to turn to your Bible, you're going to come to worship after an entire week of disappointment 
and sadness. Some weeks you're going to come in with with that heavy burden. Sometimes you're going to come in and your heart is going to be shattered and, and crushed because you've slipped into sin once again. But on those days, even those days, and especially on those days, this can be a place where you are renewed in joy. Renewed and uplifted by the joy that is given you by your God. The joy that comes through the gospel. You see, joy is an emotion, it's a feeling that it cannot be compelled, right? It can't be coerced, it can't be forced. It doesn't matter how much I were to yell and scream at you today to be joyful people, it's not going to work, right? It's not going to change your heart. But the gospel can, and the gospel will And so as we think about these values, we do. We thrive on more joy than guilt. Bart Millard and Mercy Me, they put it this way. They said, grace got you. Millennia before that, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So another question for you today. Has the gospel become simply words for you? Have you heard this this gospel message, this grace in Jesus so much and and so often that that you've become a little bit numb to it? You've gotten acclimated to this incredible good news that our God has for us? You see, one of the most deadly, most dangerous attacks that Satan can launch at us that is devastating if it is successful is to destroy our joy in the gospel. Because if he is successful in doing that, then he erodes and and eliminates the joyful foundation that we have for living this life. He's going to lead us then and drive us to serve out of guilt, not joy. And he's going to cut down on our credibility as we witness to others, as, as we want to draw others into this gospel message, the good news that God has for them and the joy that's there. And you think about that. You think about the people that you'd like to reach, the people that you'd like to encourage, you'd like to invite. And if they don't see joy in your life, they don't see joy in your heart, When you talk about Jesus, when you you talk about grace, when you talk about the Bible, when you talk about where we connect with Jesus, when you talk about coming to worship or a Bible study or or fellowship or your church family, if they don't sense joy there, how can we expect them to want to come along for the ride? But as I said, joy cannot be forced. It can't be compelled. It'll be worked in you by the Holy Spirit 
through the gospel. And it comes as the Holy Spirit overcomes our guilt and our fears. Paul witnessed that among those Christians in the city of Thessalonica. He witnessed it in verse 6. He described how the gospel came among them. And he said there, he said, You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. You see, their outward circumstances were not joyful. Paul witnessed this severe suffering firsthand. We, we have the historical account of when the gospel came to the city of Thessalonica. We have it for us in Acts chapter 17. As Paul and Silas came into that city. And Paul had three weeks. Three weeks that he spent proclaiming the good news of who Jesus was, that God had sent his own son to take away our sins, that he died on the cross for us, but he rose again for the dead. And that gospel message, it changed lives. Many people came to faith. They knew this joy that the gospel brings, but others were angry. And in their anger and their hostility, they rounded up some thugs from the marketplace. They got them to, to create a mob and, and cause a riot. It tells you a little bit something about the gospel's power. And the only way that they thought that they could defeat it was to create a mob and a, and a riot throughout the entire city. But that's what they did. And when this mob, when they were searching for Paul and Silas, and they couldn't find them. Then they turned their anger and their hostility to a man named Jason, a, a believer, several other believers, and they dragged them out into the streets. They dragged them before the city officials, and they said, these men are causing trouble. They're following those who have caused trouble all over the world. Well, side note, if proclaiming the gospel, sharing the love of Jesus, if that is causing trouble, then I really pray and I hope that Divine Savior Church causes a lot of trouble in Siena and Missouri City. They accuse them of causing this trouble, throwing them out. Paul and Silas were basically driven out of the city. And yet, in this severe suffering, it in this social shaming, the Holy Spirit brought joy to their hearts. He brought joy through that good news. And so today I want you to hear this good news. Maybe even to listen to this good news as if for the very first time again. So that we can ask the Holy Spirit to lay again that foundation of joy for living our lives. To lay that foundation in our hearts. To move us to serve out of joy, not guilt. And to create credibility with those to whom we want to witness. And share this gospel message of Jesus to speak this beautiful good news. And so I want you to remember what this gospel says to you. Well, the Apostle Paul shared that this gospel meant for the Thessalonians. 
He said, we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you. They were loved and chosen. Man, it feels good to be chosen, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter if it's for the pickup basketball game or it's the, the corporate promotion or, or maybe you've been chosen to be a contestant on Wheel of Fortune, right? Or Jeopardy, game show, bachelorette. I don't know. Feels good to be chosen. Maybe it's, it's the local organization that you're a part of and the election that they host. And Oh, it feels great when we are chosen for our accomplishments, our, our successes, who we are as a person, our strengths and our skills. But God chose you in spite of all that. Because we know that if, if that was what God was going to base his choice on for us, who we are as a person, our strengths, our skills, we, we know that we've fallen far short of his expectations and, and perfection, but yet God chose you. He chose you for no other reason than that he loved you dearly. And we all love to be loved. We want to have love. We, we seek love from others, their time, their attention, the ways that they show our love. And, and that, that causes us to do some crazy things sometimes. To know love. We'll, we'll do some crazy good things. And we'll do some crazy bad things. We'll just do some crazy irrational things sometimes in order to be loved. Because we love to be loved. But you don't have to do anything for God to love you. He simply loves. You are loved. You are chosen by your God. The one who is holiness and justice himself, the one whose decisions cannot be revoked or changed, he loves you and he has chosen you. And so no matter how you feel, no matter what you think about your life, no matter if you feel that you, you, there's no reason that God should love you, whether you think that you have disappointed him because you know that you have constantly walked away and turned away from him, God has forgiven you. And he welcomes you with open arms like that father that Jesus told us about who looked for his son to come back and welcomed him with joy and celebration. God welcomes you. He brings you back. You have been rescued. And that's what Paul talks about at the very end of this section. And it's amazing because it helps us to recognize why we can serve with joy. Because you don't, you don't serve all those idols that we've been talking about for the last several weeks that are, they're going to just cause us to feel guilt. No, you serve the living and true God. You wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, today is Reformation Sunday. It's, it's an important Sunday for 
us as a Lutheran church body, we, we celebrate our heritage and what that means for us. We, we celebrate men like Martin Luther and other reformers, but we don't celebrate those men for who they are. We, we celebrate what God accomplished through them. We celebrate the return of grace. The return of more joy than guilt. Luther himself, he struggled very deeply with that. In his early years, he saw God as a lawgiver. That judge who was constantly looking over his shoulders, watching every single thing that he did to make sure that he got it right. And if he didn't, he was there to condemn. Sometimes we look at God that way. And Luther tried. And he tried desperately to change his life, to do the things that God wanted. And the more that he tried, and the more he did it, the more he realized he couldn't. He kept falling, he kept failing. Until he discovered the gospel. Until he discovered Jesus and what Jesus had truly done. That Jesus died on that cross to forgive us of all of our sins and he rose again to life so that we would know that we have been rescued from the coming wrath. Luther had operated out of guilt and not joy. But Jesus allows us to operate out of joy, not guilt. I shared with you that I was at conference this week, pastor's conference, and I don't know about other types of work conferences that any of y'all go to, but I have a sense that conferences can be guilt-inducing events. Because you go, and like I did, I went and I heard from a, a lot of other pastors. I heard about the, the great things that are going on in their church. The ways that God is blessing them, the, the things that have happened through the gospel, the, the programs that they have running, the, the success stories of individuals that they've worked with and, and the gospels come to them and, and created faith in their hearts. And instead of being joyful about all of that, I felt guilt. Guilt in the opportunities that I'm missing as a pastor. Guilt in the ways that I haven't communicated well with you. I haven't brought you along into the vision that we can have for our church. I haven't inspired you. And as I was thinking about that, some of the guilt that I was maybe feeling, I was thinking about how Sometimes it, it's good. It, it's good for us to see those things. Maybe, maybe see some things that we can do better, that we can change. Maybe even confess some of those shortcomings to our God and our Savior, but, but not out of guilt. Out of joy. Out of joy in what He allows us to do. Out of joy in the fact that we serve the living and true God who has rescued us in his son Jesus. Because at the end of the day, at the end of your life, there's only one opinion that matters. 
And it's the opinion of Jesus. And so often in our lives, we allow our joy, we allow our happiness to be defined and determined by the opinion of others. But the gospel tells us that only one opinion matters. The opinion of Jesus, your Savior. That's why we wait. We wait eagerly. We wait for him to come again, trusting. We constantly live in a state of faith, trusting in what he has done, trusting in his resurrection, and looking forward to when he will come in all his glory. And that allows us to thrive on joy. And I love how we phrase that core value, that we, we thrive on joy because thrive is an activity word. The, the good news of the gospel, it doesn't make us lazy. And when it propels us to activity, we thrive in activity. Paul said he remembered the Thessalonians for these things. Verse 3, I think. Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. Those things, work, labor, endurance, those things come from the joy that the gospel gives us. The joy that we can have in our activity to serve our Lord and Savior. Not guilt. Not, oh man, I need to do this. Oh man, here's pastor, he's calling me again, wants me to do something at church. No. I would love for us to, to get to that point where our hearts and our minds are saying, man, I hope pastor calls me. I hope there's something to do. I hope there's a way to serve because I find joy in that. I find joy in what my God allows me to do. And as we have our mission and ministry seminar after worship today, as, as we talk about the opportunities that are there, that's my prayer. My prayer that you have joy. Joy, as you say, those are opportunities for me to serve. Those are incredible opportunities that we have from our work together with Divine Savior Academy. Amazing blessings for us to be able to use this gospel message. And yes, it's going to be hard work. It's going to be putting plans on paper. It's going to be following them. It's going to take endurance. It's going to take perseverance. We're going to face challenges, effort, money, financial commitment, investment, time, all those things. But not because of guilt. All those things inspired by joy in the gospel. And so today I'm going to ask you to encourage one another. Encourage one another with the joy that comes from knowing Jesus who has changed your life. And when you reflect on that gospel once again, when you allow the Holy Spirit to bring that gospel with power and deep conviction in your heart, well then maybe you will just sing so the back row hears you. Or glide because walking just won't do. Or dance even if you don't know how to. And even if it doesn't do that, maybe you'll be moved to work because of your faith to labor out of your love, and to endure because of the hope that you have in Jesus and the joy given by the Holy Spirit. We thrive on more joy than guilt. Amen. Amen.